Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And Matthew Rodriguez. And today we are joined by our special favorite (laughs) guest co-host. Joe Reed, uh, (laughs) here to read you the signs and tell you your fortune. Yes! And today we are discussing the season one finale of Buffy Prophecy Girl. I love Prophecy Girl. I love Prophecy Girl. I just think it's the first great episode of the show. It is. Like, it's the first one where you act, where he, where, like, everyone is firing on all cylinders. Yes. Yep. And all... First one where Cordelia feels like a part of the group, which I think is a big step. Yeah. Um, I actually said that, like, I feel like this episode is so good, and, like, they wrap up everything. Like, that beginning with the earthquake, you see every character's reaction. And, like... I don't know, like, for me, that's, like, very iconic, the Buffy slow-motion fall and, like, her pulling out her stake. The Buffy slow-motion yeah. fight is so <laughs> iconic. Right? <laughs> Why are they randomly in slow-motion? <laughs> and it's just, like... And when she goes at the very beginning, it's, like, so season one after she fights, and she's, like, three in one night. I'm like, girl, you're gonna kill a lot yeah, more in one yeah. night in, like, one season. <laughs> also, and then... But, like, to bookend with that, when... They go to, like, Buffy's back alive again, and she's, like, back in the game, and it's her and Xander, and Angel sort of, like, to the theme song, like, striding back to the <laughs> library, and they go in, like, sort of fast motion or whatever. I'm like, man, somebody wanted to pull out all the tricks. <laughs> right. Yeah. They were like, it's a, it's a unity. Yeah. It's unity of time. Did Joss direct this as well as yes. write it? Yeah. Okay. So. I think it's go. the first episode he directed after. I, I, well, I know he directed the pilot. Right. Yeah. I don't think he directed The Harvest, though. Oh, we don't think he did. Okay. And then I, he may Actually, or may not direct it. I mean, we can find this very easily out online. I it. But, um... He I... did not direct uh, either Welcome to the Hellmouth or The Harvest. He oh. directed the unaired pilot. So, wait, is this the first thing that he ever directed? It is. Yeah. Oh, weird. So... Well, it shows. There's yes. so much <laughs> good work going on in this episode. Um, yeah. So, they, so, a weird thing they do... They emphasize a lot, which, like, is so, like, it feels so moot watching it now, but, like, they emphasize so much on Xander's crush on her. Yes. And it feels, like, I was rewatching it, and, like, really rewatching it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of this, and, like, that's the only thing in the episode for me that, like, I don't give a shit about at all. (laughs) Well, because it never came to anything, really, and that's the thing, is back in season one, watching it, you really got the sense that this was building to something, that Xander was going to be the, like, nerd who gets the girl, and they were, like, meant to be, and they just moved away from that fairly severely in season two. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about this in in next week's episode, because next week we're going to do a season one recap and talk about where everyone is and and what's going on, but, I mean, season one, and it's, it's like, season one in a lot of ways is almost, like, the deepest we get into Xander. Like, (laughs) yeah. The, the, I mean... Except for, like, the season six, like... Emo, I can't get married because I have weird, right. like, issues stuff. Which, like... But they spend a yeah. lot of time... I mean, if you think about the camera and, like, who it's looking at, like, it spends a lot of time on Xander. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, like I said, we'll get into it, but it's, like, at the at the loss of Willow. Like, Willow barely has an arc in season one. She doesn't it's really true. do anything. Yeah. Her arc is literally just pining after Xander. And then in this arc, and then, and then in this episode, of course, there's the part where she gets, like, the big emotional yeah. thing at the AV room. Yeah. Um, but, there, but, yeah, so... I mean, the episode also starts out with Xander kind of trying to practice, you know, asking Buffy, asking to, the Buffy prom, to the prom, which makes it feel so much like such a big deal because it's yeah. like 
this iconic episode, like, for me, it could have just started with Buffy slow motion falling. Right. Okay, here's a question. They're sophomores? Yeah. It's a spring fling. Okay, they say the okay. They say very, they say, like, because Joyce has a thing about it. She's, like, the okay. prom or the spring fling. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's I get weirdly, like, anal retentive about that. Right? Yeah. It's like, listen, it's not how it goes. It's not how high school works. Yeah, no, no. So, is there a prom storyline in season two? I was just about to ask that. Yeah. I don't think uh, there no. is, is there? It's the Sadie Hawkins dance. Cause it's, it's the Sadie the, Hawkins dance. There's, and Homecoming. Wait, and no, the, Homecoming's three. Yeah, Homecoming's Homecoming three. and Senior Promer in season three. Actually, Homecoming is what we're named after. But the, right, right. <laughs> there's no, there's no Junior Prom. You're right in yeah. season two. But you know what? I'm sure Buffy was very busy at that time. <laughs> yeah, when you come um, to think about what happened against her, her <laughs> newly evil ex-boyfriend. Right. Yeah, so it's like she probably wasn't she planning probably to miss Calder's funeral. And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so dark. Um, um, yeah. So. Giles finds out via the Codex, which feels very... I Seems mean, to be very informative for a book that they never talk about again. Yeah, <laughs> Right, you'd think that he would keep it around and like have it for the future. Yeah. But also, I mean, not to get like overly technical about a joke, but we do say that like season one is so much about prophecy yeah. and things that like they really don't talk about prophecies that much later. I mean... Angel is not a prophecy, like the whole right. angel arc in season two. Right. And then the mayor is not a prophecy. Maybe the fact that she sort of defies this prophecy by dying and then coming back sort of. Yeah. And I mean, on Angel, a lot of they talk about prophecies a lot. A lot, of a, lot a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. That's true. Maybe that's what it was, is when Angel spun off, they took all the prophecies <laughs> yeah, they took over there. <laughs> um, so I do appreciate, once again, Jenny Callender's coming in and like just yeah. being like, it's the apocalypse, duh. I was surprised this was only her second episode because it feels like right? she was more of a presence in season one by it, this point. It really does. Like, Wait, is it her second? I thought it was like her third. This thing here on Wikipedia says <laughs> she was in two episodes of the first season. Oh, weird. So, yeah. Yeah. and Which I guess makes sense because the ones between I, Robot, You, Jane are Puppet Show, which I don't remember her being in. She's Nightmares, which is a total like uh, one-off yeah, like one-off. outside of the school anyway. And then Out of Sight, Out of Mind, which I also... I just really feel like she might pop up. I mean, I'll believe Wikipedia, because I I feel like there's... I guess maybe all of the the flirting between Giles and Jenny just happens later. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it in season two. And a lot of early season two sometimes feels to me like season one stuff anyway, because of, like, stylistic stuff. I always think Inca Mummy Girl is a season one Yes, the first half of season two feels still very season one. Yes. And I wonder if that was even, like, those got written in the same bunch, and some of them were just, like, extra scripts that they decided to punch or something like that, but, yeah. Yeah, so, she's only in the... But at season two, she's in, like, almost every episode until she dies. Until she dies, yeah, yeah. So... And even after, because she doesn't... She show up in... Uh, Becoming Part Two and yeah. Amends, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Amends. Yeah. I never know what to think about Amends. <laughs> I always feel like, like, intellectually, I'm just like, this isn't a good episode, but then, like, I always get wrapped up in it anyway, so... Yeah. Anyway. Um... And then, so we get the really good scene of Buffy walking in on Angel and Giles discussing the Codex and the Prophecy, it's and it's actually, like... Scene. It's one of the best scenes in Buffy history. It um, also, like, by all rights, if it were, like, the Emmys of today, like, she might have gotten an Emmy nomination out of that. Like, that one scene of itself. It's, it's really like, good. It's really good. And, like, she's really acting in a fucking scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, like, acting... She's And it's very subtle, because I think for, you know... 
people try to shit on Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting all the time, and they can do it on like different movies and stuff. But like, but, she's like, so Scooby Doo, like nobody's right, a good right. Scooby Doo. And like, but and for this, be, like, yeah. it's very, it would have been very easy for someone who was not as good to like act for the back row. Yeah, yeah. in this part, and she was not doing that. Like, no. she was just so pitch perfect, and like turns away from the camera. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's just a, there's a, a lot of maturity. And the other thing is that Buffy herself is 16 years old. And she plays that. And she plays being 16 and almost like being forced, you know, uh, with the pressure, like with all this pressure, being forced to enter maturity or to like just grow up it like 10, 20 years in, yeah. like, in the span of a few moments. Yeah. She plays that perfectly. Well, on that note of, because so many other shows would just be like, look, she's the hero. We need to have her be the hero. She's going to go kick ass, even if she's going to die. Like, it's going to be, like, defiantly or whatever. And her whole thing in this is just, like, no, I don't want this. I'm a teenager. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, like, I'm ultimately super scared, and I need, like, I'm lashing out. Like, it was very, like, clear she was lashing out at Giles and Angel because Well, here's scared. the other thing, and I said this to Ian before, and I said I would bring it up again, is that, and we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to the final scene, too, is that, for a finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's actually not a lot of action. This is really, like, yeah. the first time that we get to, like, some of the themes that the show is going to get to for the entire series, especially in Season 7, about, like, what it means to be the Slayer yeah. and to, like, be at the behest of, like, having all this power and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And this is really, like, a really quiet rumination. I mean, even yeah. the final fight with the Master is not a good fight. Like, yeah. it's just, you know... Well, also, it's it's... Not really subtly, but, like, it's well done in terms of this is a girl who is beset by men at all. Like, even with, like, Willow's in the episode in Cordelia and Miss Calendar, but, like, Giles is her mentor who tells her she has to go into battle. Angel and Xander are her two, like, knights or whatever, like, on either side of her, who can help her, but not really. Like, Angel can fight, but he can't breathe. And Xander can <laughs> yeah. breathe, but he can't fight. fight yeah. And so, like, they're both, like, you know, sort of one-dimensional helpers with them, and they're, like, instrumental. But ultimately, she has to go into battle against another man, which is the Master. And she's sort of the one girl in the middle of it. And, like, I think that was intentional on Joss Whedon's part and, like, fairly yeah. well carried out. Yeah. Um, so... I actually okay. forgot to prep Joe on this, so we're springing this on you. Oh, no. You're about to get a, a, a surprise. <laughs> I'm going to text you a link to your phone, Joe. I need you to okay. open this link. All right, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> readers, I mean, readers, viewers, you're in for such a treat. Such a treat. Because... Right. Um, because for our first time oh ever God. on... Slayer Fest ninety eight. We're gonna do a dramatic reading. Oh God! What's all right? What scene do I have to go to? Um, right under so part where it two. starts with part two. We're gonna do okay. the scene. The scene. Okay. Yeah. So who do I have to be? Matthew's gonna be. I'm Buffy. Buffy. Duh. Okay. And do you want to be Angel or Giles? I'll be Giles. Okay. And okay. I'll be Angel. Okay. Um, also, there are stage directions. Ian, do you want to read the stage directions? I was going to say we don't need them. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, I know it's like Buffy being slapped. Yeah. I can just laugh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so want to start? So, Angel, you start us off. Well, have you verified the text? <laughs> so that's it, huh? I remember the drill. One Slayer dies, next one's called. Wonder who she is. Will you train her? Or will they send someone else? Buffy, I... Do they say how he's going to kill me? Do you think it'll hurt? Don't touch me! Were you ever going to tell me? I was hoping that I wouldn't have to. There was some way around it. 
I, I've, I've got a way around it. I quit. It's not that simple. I'm making it that simple. I quit. I resign. I'm, I'm fired. You can find someone else to stop the master from taking over. I'm not sure that anyone else can. All the signs. The signs? Read me the signs. <laughs> Tell me my fortune. He's throwing ketchup packets. You're so <laughs> useful sitting here with all your books. You're really a lot of help. No, I don't suppose I am. I know this is hard. What do you know about this? You're never going to die. <laughs> you, you think I want anything to happen to you? Do you think I could stand it? We just got to figure out a way. I already did. I quit, remember? Pay attention. Buffy, if the master rises. I don't care. I don't care. Giles, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> well done. And the podcasting Emmy goes to. Honestly, there's Webby Awards. There's, there's things. Submit me. Oh my god. Can you win a Shorty Award for that? Is that I feel like there has to be one that I can win. Um, yeah, also, this episode... So af- right after that, like I gotta recover from that, man. That was, <laughs> that was emotional. I gotta get out of character. Everyone. Hold on, okay. yeah, like, yeah. Um, my favorite was you throwing the ketchup pack. Yes, I was just <laughs> honestly going to get yeah. hit with a ketchup pack. But you were a good actor. Giles did not get hit with a book. He only almost got hit. With yeah, a book, right. So. And I threw them at the correct first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, nice. <laughs> um, so after this, we get like Buffy and Willow, and then like Buffy's mom brings her the dress. Um, and Buffy's what mom, a good scene that was with her and her mom. Yeah, it's like one of the first really good scenes with her and her mom. I yeah. think. Well, I think one of the best things about it is that throughout the first season, her and her mother's conversations are layered with so many metaphors. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And it's a kind of habit that they get into with writing them. But in these, I think all the metaphors land. Mm-hmm. And yes. there's that moment where, you know, Buffy's saying she doesn't want to go to the prom. And, you know... Uh, Joyce says, is it written somewhere? Yeah. I forget what she's exactly talking about when she says it, but she's like, yeah. you know, why can't you go? Oh, she's like, why can't you go and have a good time? Is it written somewhere that you can't do yeah. it? And it's so, I mean, it's like something that a mother would actually say, because some of the metaphors earlier that right. Joyce used have been very clunky, clunky and yeah. heavy-handed, but this one just really worked. Yeah. And, um, and the dress. And the dress, and the, like... Yeah, that like sort of moment where Buffy gets to be sort of girly about it, and even and then at the end when she's just like, "Well, I've, I'm, I am wearing a really cute dress." Like it's, it's that thing that Buffy does a lot, where it's just like it downshifts back into teens. Yeah, from like big high like world at stake drama. And like Joyce is also this is one of the first times where she's like actually perceptive that like yeah oh my daughter's depressed oh like yeah because her main character on. trait in those first couple of seasons especially is her. Ob- yeah. Her <clears throat> obliviousness. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, so this episode, I even wrote my notes in all caps, this episode is actually like a total downer for the first half. Yeah. Because then we get like Cordelia asking Willow to help her with the AV stuff. And then they so, like... But actually, here's... I don't I don't understand that scene a lot. So let's actually dissect that scene for a second. Because apparently Cordelia's dating someone who's in that room. Yeah. But... Cordelia, Which makes no sense. Right, Cordelia wouldn't date someone that would hang out with Willow's friends. Right. Like, he's an AV guy. Yeah. Like, in what world does Cordelia date an AV job? There's a little bit of, we gotta get Cordelia into this group, yes. and we need to have some sort of incident that bonds her and Willow a little bit, and I think they shortcutted that a little bit. Yeah. Um, because it would have made more sense if at least we had seen his boyfriend in, like, 
one other episode. Or if we had seen Willow being friends with all those people too. Yeah. It's like Willow right. is only friends in this series th- so far up in Buffy and Xander. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's the thing is that like it's almost like a little unearned little bit cry like oh, a cry yeah, yeah. moment it's not there's nothing especially really... when it's like at the end and willow's like buffy like there was just uh like whatever like death and disregard for life right. in that room or whatever and she's like and i like, know those people yeah and I'm, it's like a little bit more of of groundwork even if there had been guys. like a, a character that they kept around minorly throughout the series that they could have done like i mean like it was only the beginning but like, like imagine yeah i was just gonna say like imagine if jonathan had been in season one they yeah. could have used him or, or, or I mean, a new they, person that wasn't right. that just never existed they had already had amy like we know that they ended up using amy for something else but like somebody on that level who they had helped earlier in the season yeah right and you know i think they got better at that too later yes. on in the seasons i think season three is all about that yeah whereas like we'll take these people who buffy may have helped in this random episode and surface them again yeah which I love, and that's why I love season three so yeah. much. Um, but yeah, and it's also like, that's one of the things that's like also like very horror-y of it, where it's like, I don't think that that would have never worked in like later, like showing all these bloody murdered students in a right. room, like that just wouldn't have worked. But actually the most poignant, and this is where I think Joss's directing comes in, is that the most poignant thing is like looking at the TV with the cartoons on it, with the blood stains yeah. on it. Like he doesn't really go for yes. the, let's show you the bodies. Right. As a director, he goes for like, like yeah. focusing on the cartoons with the blood on them. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, what is it, Porky Pig, I think, is on? Yeah, something like that. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Which is also, odd. like, I guess, like, whatever, like, teens get high well, and I mean, watch cartoons. Well, I mean, also, like, they could have been watching something else, and it will be the next day of what's on oh TV. Oh, God. They probably weren't watching true. that. They were watching something, and then now that's just what's on in the morning. Oh, yeah. It'd be logical. Very I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so Willow tells Buffy she likes her dress, which becomes, you know, a thing. Yeah. Which I do really like. Like, I forgot that Willow also said it. Like, I thought it was just the master, but yeah. I forgot, like... Um, which I like. Um, yeah, it's not just a man talking to... People who come to about... people who come to future trivia nights, there will be a who complimented Buffy <laughs> on their dress question. You have to name everyone, and each person is a point. <laughs> um, and so then Buffy goes to the library. Yeah. And I really like that scene too. Um, like which she, sign, which oh where she no, punches which scene him. Is this one? Oh right, where, um, where she Jenny... has to convince that she want that she that oh, and actually this is that I was thinking of that scene um, in relation to the scene that we're gonna get in the next episode. No, it's not the next episode, is it? What's the episode where oh it's it's um the one where Giles takes the baseball bat. Say a word to <laughs> to hit Angel. Because he, what does he do? Oh, he kills Jenny. Oh, oh, oh God. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it, it reminded me of, season. I think this is one of the first times that we actually see Giles acting fatherly as opposed to watcherly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he really does want to protect Buffy and he thinks it's unfair yes. about what's happening to and her. And so he actually like goes to like, you know, make a move himself, which yeah. is a thing he would do a few yeah. times yeah. across the series. Um, and I, I, I actually really liked Jenny... It's like a throwaway line, but right before Buffy comes into the library is when Jenny has just found out that Buffy's a slayer, and she goes, oh. the thing about Buffy being a slayer is she's so tiny. Yes. <laughs> and I really like that, and then her delivery is really good. What I also love about Miss Calendar in this episode is, like, 
everybody is so is way more hostile to her than they should be. Yeah, like, really Willow's are. like, what's she doing here? I'm yeah. like, Willow, Jesus. Like, like, Willow, you're gonna take over for her class. Like, right, yeah, exactly. Like, chill out. Not, but I also I love... guess you're not the only brainy computer girl in the group anymore. Like, <laughs> sorry. I also love that, like, Miss Calendar is part of all of these, like, Technopagan listservs, apparently. Where, like, <laughs> yeah. just everyone is emailing each other openly about, like, crazy shit that's going down. Would it have been too much to ask for a one-off episode that just follows Miss Calendar's life <laughs> through the world of being a techno-pagan? Because, like, I'm really interested in see like, what that subculture... That or a spin-off. Is. Right. Exactly. This could have been the original <laughs> True Calling. Yeah. True Calling, but with Jenny Calendar. <laughs> Call it Calendar Girl. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Jenny is almost like the voice of, like, an adult who's not like because Giles is very like tropey like Giles is like yeah. could be like in any kind of like supernatural whatever like he would he's be he's the mentor yeah. he's the guy who with all the And I feel like Jenny is the one lots of times and I mean Cordelia is his voice a lot too where that like brings them out of their like supernatural yes. trope world or whatever yeah. that can be like like she's like yeah I got emails about it of course it's the apocalypse right like, and that feels like something that would happen. Right. She's yeah. like, guys, the apocalypse is happening. There was a cat that gave birth yeah. to some snakes. Yeah. It's like, well, Well, okay. she is sort of like, I mean, Willow tends to be like internet girl, except like Jenny Calendar is the one who actually behaves in a way that somebody who is aware of the internet would behave and that like, you know things about things that are going on yes. elsewhere in the world. You are aware of these like odd subcultures and like, I'm sure she was like getting email forwards from people and was like in weird like chat room yeah like and it's so funny that people are hustled having her there because she's actually like a really good asset yeah just like guys you know how much knowledge she's continually dropping and you are all just like i don't know well it's funny because it reminds me i feel like almost every season has that where it's like someone being like get it together everyone yeah like in season three when anya comes in to tell them about the mayor yes and like willow's like welcome evil girls in the mix even in season two spike helps buffy yeah and like they're mad like and he meets Buffy's mom, and like, you know, and then in season five, Anya's the one that's like, use Olaf's hammer, here to help, yeah. want to live. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. someone that like brings them back to like getting it together and like, yes, you're all sad about this, but like also we need to handle this shit. Yeah. Um, and point. I think Jenny does a really good job in this episode. How old do you think Jenny is? And I ask that question because... In real life or on the show? On the show. I think she's probably like, what, like 32 or 33? Yeah, she's younger 30s. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, sure. it's, I mean, because it's... Oh, it's God, also, it's, she would be younger than me. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, yeah. well, it's just interesting to think about, like... She's just out of school. Like, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, like... first job. When you're, when you're a kid or when you're watching, like, high school shows on the WB... They portray all teachers as like you think they're super old, but like we all know, like we have friends who are high school or like yes. high school and grammar school teachers, and yes. they're like. They're also, older. you put her and Charisma Carpenter side by side in this show, like, <laughs> take away all context, like they, they look the same age. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so like, um, blah, 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 blah. where are we now? Oh yeah, so a thing that I notice is like. And Xander always is, but he's, like, super annoying, stubborn in this yeah, episode. And it's almost so annoying because it pays off. Right. Because the episode goes up to her. this, like, confrontation between him and Angel, where they're both very hostile to each other. And the show kind of plays it right down the middle, where they're like, Angel's annoying about these things. Yeah. And Xander's annoying about these things. And if they all come together, they, like, their flaws, they create one perfect man <laughs> together. Right. It's um, like when Tyra Banks tells two models that they each have what the other one lacks. <laughs> <laughs> and then pulls up a photo that is none of them, and they both go home. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of you deserve a photo. 
Xander and Angel. No, but I mean, that's the thing is like Xander does so many things in this episode that he's gonna fucking do over and over. He's oh, gonna yeah. think that Buffy needs him when she really doesn't. Yeah. And there are times when Buffy needs him and yes. she's and in those moments she's smart enough to ask for help. Yes. But there's a difference between like her asking for help and like his arrogance. Being like, Buffy needs me. It's like, she, I mean, she kind of does. That's why you were saying it's yeah. kind of fucked up because he does give her the breath of life. Yes. But like, it's just all this arrogance from him that's just so off-putting. Well, and it's, it's, the arrogance doesn't necessarily get me as much as the like, that he's making everything about this like, conflict between him and Angel that really only exists in his head. His like, head, those yeah. two are only in competition in Xander's head. Like, right. Because Angel's already won. They're in two, like. they're in two separate boxes of, of Buffy's brain. Yeah. So, like, they're not, they're, like, they're not fighting each other at all. And, like... And even, like, the moment where Xander's like, oh, you're looking at my neck. I'm like, you realize that Angel doesn't feed on people. Like, you actually have already learned this. Right. Five No, he's just ago. being petty. He's right. just being He's being petty. hashtag petty. Yeah. And it's like, no, absolutely not. Um, Though I'm sure there's some really good Angel Xander slash fic Oh my there. god, yes. Um, there is. Because you've because read I've it. read it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I wonder what is like the most popular male-on-male angel-related Oh, I think it's fic. Angel Spike. Probably, Probably Angel Spike. God, that yeah. would bore the shit out of me. Yeah, like, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever... Like, most of the stuff I would read would be like... I, like, I would definitely Angel rather watch... Angel Giles I would be into. I would be into that. Angel Giles would be... Angel, Angel Xander would be like a Sean Cody movie. <laughs> I, think, I think, I don't know who Angel Giles would be, it, but it wouldn't be Sean Cody. No. It would be, no. I should think of like... Like men.com? It would be men.com. Because Giles would be like the like... Or like Treasure figure. Island. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, wait, so what would be the best Angel slash for you? I, oh, I, I'm Angel Xander. I think Xander yeah. is an amazing bottom. Like, I think Xander That's would be actually not a bad thought. <laughs> <laughs> I got my, my brain went down an Angel Riley path and I was like, oh. Okay. Guys, there's been so, like, so, and honestly, like, I haven't, but, it, so, like, I had a really, like, peak reading, like, Buffy Slash. Buffy Slash was the first Slash I ever read, because Same. it was the only time, it was the first time I was, like, aware that, like, this is a thing. That, that it was even, yeah, like, I think I, like, realized it existed during, like, exactly. Buffy Season 5, I think. Yeah. And I remember, like, reading. I remember seeing a lot of Spike Andrew during Season 7. <clears throat> Mm. Like a lot of. I mean, that makes sense. Too much blonde for me. Too much blonde. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good point. That makes that pairing makes sense. Sure. But also, like, eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but see, I think Spike would be a really good bottom. Spike wouldn't bottom. You don't think so? No. I feel like I think it would. It's one of those. He has that air of machismo that is an actual. Like, there's a little. He. I feel like he. He views everything as. as I think he would bottom combat. like he was topping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> see, that would at least be interesting. That would be. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, there's like, I could, I actually almost gave you the, the plot synopsis of one of the ones that I specifically read. Give it, give it. We, <laughs> yeah. we have a little bit yeah. time. Okay, so the one that I like always think about whenever I watch season four, it's like all from Xander's point of view and it's like, I really hope this person somehow finds us and like tweets at us. Oh my like, god! I wrote Heaven, this. Heaven is a guess. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like or her most likely season four point of view Xander, but it's like the Zeppo, but like sex, and he uh-huh. just encounters the Zeppo of sex is an episode of my Every single character and has sex with every <laughs> single one of them. Like I think at first it's Giles, and then he like uh, it's Oz. Xander and, and Giles would be hot. 
Because they also dislike yeah. each other on this level. A little That's bit. Sexy. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. Giles is just, like, so annoyed with him all the time yeah. that I think it would be such a sexually frustrated, hot encounter. Yeah. So Xander's the bottom in most of the encounters. It's, like, starts off of, like, him and Giles having sex, and then it's, like, he sees Oz, and he goes in their van, and he has sex with the entire band. <laughs> and then, like... <laughs> He's, Who was the one that dated Cordelia for a while? Devin. Oh, he was so hot. And he is, right? He is really hot. Yeah. And he pulled off the, like, 90s crop top in one episode. Now he's like, ooh, shit, I like okay. this. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to, like, Riley's frat house and gets gangbanged by everyone at Riley's frat house. <laughs> and Riley. Um, and then Bless the episode ends thing. with Spike and him having, like, very aggressive, like, rough sex. And I think about it often. <laughs> I like the idea of, like, a season four Spike having rough sex with Xander and every time he goes to choke him he gets like zapped by the chip (laughs) so that way he would have to maybe be the submissive because Mm. he couldn't because he couldn't be the dominant huh yeah I think we just wrote a slap honestly this is so amazing I'm so into this oh my god Okay. Well, that's one of our um, better deviations. <laughs> it really was. Honestly, I think every listener appreciates this deviation. Listen, where is the lie in that statement? Because I think it, it really goes back to like this whole like homosociality thing as opposed to homosexuality. Like Zan- the way Xander and Angel are talking to each other in that tunnel, like with all that tension, yeah, and just being like, and and you were so right. I think the way you put it was so correct. Is that like Angel is just like. I've already got this. Like, I've already... I yeah. mean, we're not going to say win, like, Buffy's a prize, but, like, she's, right. he's already in... He's, he's already battle. out of the friend zone. Yes. Yeah, he's won yeah. the battle that Xander thinks is going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Xander being like, oh, you're looking at my neck is almost like a douchey straight guy saying that to a gay guy. Like, oh, I saw you. Yes. You want me, but it's, like, projecting because Xander would love Angel to try to bite him and be able to tell Buffy. Of course. And go back to her yeah. and be yeah. like, yeah, totally. Um... So I have in my notes, but we already mentioned this, like, this is kind of like, I feel like Cordelia's turning point where, like, she actually becomes part of the group. Like, her driving up and saving Willow and Jenny is, like, kind of a big deal. And she does literally save their lives. Um, And it's very, like, I love Cordelia so much. And it makes me, like, I'm like, oh. I'm so proud of her because yes. she just, like, dri- gets them in the car, drives right through the fucking school, yeah. and doesn't even, like, think about it. Like, yeah. just does it. I mean, that's why I think that Cordelia is one of the more interesting characters, but she just gets such a shit... She gets <coughs> nothing to do in season one. Yeah. But I think Joss is making a statement about, like, how... About people's humanity, and, like, Cordelia gets to... And we're just talking about Cordelia and Buffy. Let's not talk about Cordelia. <laughs> no, and no, Angel. that's a whole other. Can but Cordelia and Buffy like gets to have that arc of being the vapid girl. Yeah. Who because Buffy is a vapid girl who's forced to grow up. Yes. And Cordelia actually kind of enters into it on her own accord. Like she sees that there's an opportunity to do right, and she wants well, to be a part of it. And I'll go one step further. She's the only character in this show who walks into this battle with no degree of having to. Like Buffy's yeah, got the power. True. Giles is a watcher. Everybody else, like Xander and Willow, have friendship <clears throat> ties to Buffy. Jenny has some sort of attachment to Giles that she feels like she needs to help. Whereas, like, Cordelia like part of that world. doesn't really like any of them to start. <laughs> so she's, yeah. like, the only person who's, like, literally just sort of, like, gotta do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but So I really like that. Um, and also I really like... They do this a lot in seasons one and season two where, like, all the other characters are literally just running around screaming. Yes. 
And like that scene in the library where like yeah. the tentacles are coming out of the stacks. Wait, whatever. wait. The sound that the creature makes that comes out of a hellmouth is the raptor noise from Jurassic Park. Yeah. When it's the same sound. Like effect. actually is. Yes, it's the same noise. We won't play it now, but after we finish that, taping, like screaming, that kind screech. Of... It's the same. It's yeah. the raptor screech. From Jurassic I Park. will say that scene is the scene in this season where you most see how small that library set really is. Yeah. Like, I don't know, my, I went to a very small high school, but like our, even our library in my very small high school was like three times the size yeah. of that library. And I feel like that's supposed to be a fairly like decently sized public school. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Because our, li- our library was huge. But I think they, I mean, I don't know how big it is, but they always say that there's the stacks. Yeah, but so the stacks like... are like right up the st- those little <laughs> stairs and like right, it's like all within view of... Oh, I thought there was a room behind those because they've gone to that room before. I think maybe that's what it's supposed to be, but I think this, actuality. this scene really like shrinks that whole like feel. Yeah, it does, it does. Down a it's bit. big enough to hold like one tentacled monster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it maybe gets bigger as the seasons go on because they get more of a budget. Like, I feel like by the, by the time we hit season three, or even season two when, like, Kendra dies, like, that set seems bigger. Right, because doesn't Cordelia run out through the back? Isn't that how she runs out from, like, getting killed? Yeah. Well, there's also episodes they've had where they, like, vampires come in through the back of the stacks. Yes. Yeah. In season two. Yeah. I forget which ones. I think that's the one where Kendra dies, I think, right? Like, oh, that's yeah, where yeah, they, yeah. Like, it might be that episode, yeah. Because yeah. Cordelia... And then in season three, when she kisses Wesley, it's like behind, behind. Oh right, like, yeah. Things. Well, and Xander and Willow have a couple of times where they like make out and like, and those are actual like stacks that feel yeah. far behind. Whereas this one, it's still season one. They don't have a lot of money. So here's my question about what happens next. Yes, yes. Did did the master transfer over some knowledge to Buffy when she died? Because she wakes up and feels stronger, and she like knows, what and to she do. knows his plan. Yeah. So I kind of feel like there's something they're not saying about what happened when the master bit her. Maybe. I don't know. They never address it. They never address they never it, address and she it. never... Well, they do say you feel a connection when the person bites you. They, I they address that very softly in Buffy versus Dracula. Yes. Because then she has a connection to him. Right. So Although maybe Buffy vs. Dracula operates on a whole different plan, plane of I, I think it's in its own every world. every other episode. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But <coughs> there's, it is a little odd, because she comes back and she knows about his plan, she knows where he is, Yeah. she knows, she knows where he's going, and then... And she walks really fast, because of the speed-up camera. So there's this funny thing, I was, like, looking at online forums talking about Prophecy Girl, and all these people were like... The only part of Prophecy Girl that's bad is the part where they play the theme song music and blah, blah, blah. I, I will, love that. I, I used to love that. that. I, Watching it again, I found it very cheesy, but I loved it back it, when I first No, it, it is cheesy, yeah. but it's wonderful. Like, Well, we were saying before, like all the writers, everyone about this thing was like, you need to like do all these unities. Like, <laughs> you need to do it again. The slow with the fast. Uh-huh. And they're like, you need to play the theme song. Like, yeah. They're just like, you need to do this. Yeah. And I guess like for as much as they knew, like nobody was going to watch this first season and this was so be it. It. Yeah. yeah. So it feels like they definitely do do a good job of tying it together. Yeah. Um, and that feel that does make it feel like oh, this might be a last episode of the show. Yeah. Imagine. There were really three episodes in the series that felt like they were made with the idea that it could be the last episode of the show. It's this and the gift and chosen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if. Imagine if 
that were the last episode of like Buffy was a cult show that only had twelve episodes. I know. I mean, that like people like. I mean, there are shows like that. I mean, yeah, but imagine if Buffy was one of them because yeah. they didn't think it would. get The appreciation up. of it would be so different though, because so much of like why people like it is because of what it became. And, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. And, like, I don't think it would. It wouldn't. I mean, there's I, nothing. We there's wouldn't not have this podcast if it were probably not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there, a lot of the shows that we love now probably wouldn't exist. But it probably would have like rerun yeah. on like Sci-Fi Network or something right. like that on like Saturdays at two a.m. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think it now is rerunning on because I feel like ten people oh, yeah? have tagged me in. There's like a thing because I guess they probably can't actually show the clips until they air the show or something oh, like that. But it's like oh, it's like a it's like a prom setting and there's like a cake and uh-huh. like a steak on the table and it's like someone smashing didn't, it all. Didn't Logo play them for a little while? Too? Logo played them for a little while. I know MTV played them for a very limited time. But a my, lot of weird networks have had the rights. I, I remember when they came to FX. FX. It was a huge. Oh deal. my gosh! That's that was, was how say. I saw episodes I hadn't seen. So that yeah. was so that and so they were they were playing in the morning like before I went to school. Yes. So that I would yeah. like catch up that way. Yeah. Joe and I were already and in they, college. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say yep. Yeah. Before you went to college, I was catching up before they before I went to class in high school, and now. That oh no no I was gonna say now that slot belongs to Charmed but Charmed is not on FX it's on TBS TNT. or TNT yes Charmed is on TNT God I can't believe TNT is still th- rerunning episodes <laughs> of Charmed like that's been for years <laughs> I I feel like I've seen more episodes on the reruns oh than I ever watched on yeah C- or on WB yeah, yeah. Um, so a moment to shade Charmed yes let's so here's the thing I watched almost all of Charmed <laughs> on Netflix uh-huh. and I got until like mid season seven. And then literally gave up, even though there were like 10 episodes left, but I was like, this is just so bad, I literally have no desire to finish it. <laughs> and I had spent right. so much time watching it, and then just you, stopped. You still had like three seasons to go or something like that. Like, no, I was, at the, I was on the last season. Wait, is seven the last seven season? Seven is the last season. Oh, wow. And I, I only had 10 episodes left, and I didn't watch it, and I'm still mad at myself. I think but fine. the other morning, yeah. I was just watching TV, and Charmed was on TNT, and I was like at home working, because I yeah. stayed home from work, and I put on Charmed. Seasons. Oh, it has eight seasons? Yeah. Well, it was the last Fact season. Us. So, I, so I, whatever it was, I saw it was it was it was the yeah. last season that I gave up on. Was the uh, what? What's her name from Big Bang Theory was on that last? Oh, Kristen yeah, Kelly Cuoco. Kelly Cuoco. Kelly Cuoco. Yeah. I, I miss up Kelly Cuoco and Kristen Kraft because they have like, the same <laughs> name. But um, the episode I saw, it was like one of the last episodes before like the show was gonna end. Yeah. And it was just a stupid like villain of the week episode, and I was like, they're still doing these on Charm <laughs> in the last season, like. Before three episodes before the finale, yeah. But is it I got like so mad the last three seasons are when they have that like Hogwarts school? Oh God! Right. Not in the episode I saw. Is it not that they they, like, they have that some by sort them? of Hogwarts kind of thing? Because I remember I never watched it, but I would <coughs> edit the recaps on Television Without Pity, and whoever was recapping kept calling it not Warts. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Well, because like my mom watched Charmed and Buffy, and my mom's like one of those weird people that like considers them both. The same kind of good TV. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, Mom, this show is so bad. Like, my dad would watch Charmed reruns on TNT. It was so weird. I like, think not at all in his wheelhouse. And he would always tell tell me about how much he liked that show, The Charmed Ones. And I'm like, <laughs> Dad. So I, the thing about Charmed is that it doesn't have any rules for the way it operates. Yes, the way that's Buffy what makes does. me crazy. Yeah. It has no rules. They whatsoever. just have their powers. The like Alyssa Milano does ninja kicks sometimes. Yeah. Like, she literally like took a karate <laughs> class when she was seven. Yeah. And all sudden is able to defeat half of their enemies (laughs) anyway Um, let's go back to yes yeah um 
So we're talking about Buffy woke up. How did she have these? She had these Alyssa Milano type powers. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> uh, Told the master that he has fruit punch. Power, <laughs> which is my favorite line in the episode. Iconic. It's so I think funny. all of her dialogue on that roof is iconic. It like, is. it's great. I flunked the written is also such a good line. And yeah. I may be dead, but I'm still pretty, yep. which is more than I can say for you. Yep. Like, right. but also the great thing about the fruit punch mouth line that's actually iconic <laughs> is that they're playing all the like. He's talking about the prophecy music. And she just doesn't give a shit. And then she doesn't give a shit. And the music actually turns off when she says, you have fruit punch mouth. Yeah. And it's such a Joss moment. It's it like is. something it's that would happen. Joss. It's something that happens in like, still happens in Avengers. Yeah. Where like, yeah. yes. They, oh, Loki getting, Loki getting be- be- uh, beat up by the Hulk yep. is the same idea. Yeah, it absolutely is. That's totally so it's true. like a thing that Joss still Except goes to. that was homophobic and I stand by that. It anyway, was homophobic. It was, right. thank you. No, thank you for right. agreeing with me. It was playing on audiences homophobia for what wanting. talking about? In Avengers, where Loki, like, goes on his, like, I am a god, and you are puny mortals, and blah, 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 and then Hulk just, like, grabs him, yeah, and, like, yeah. bashes him around, and that moment completely plays on the fact that Loki is sort of a fey yeah. villain, yeah. and Hulk is a big, burly man, and he, like, beats the shit. Yeah, show. like, Loki's, like, a high femme, like, yeah. he's, never thought and at any yeah. moment, he's about to, like, Vogue, and start, yes! <laughs> and he's got start, the big hat, yeah, he's got he's the very scepter. high femme. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he's a trickster. Thank you. Nobody blah, blah, blah. ever agrees with me no, on that. I, thank you. I would have never, unless I had nobody were talking. And like, Loki is also, something. Loki is totally a white gay because he uses a sexist <laughs> slur against. <laughs> <laughs> Against Please write Black something Widow. to Mike about how Loki is a white gay. <laughs> Loki is a classic white gay. He's <laughs> a classic white gay. I actually saw people like that were mad about that with like what you're talking about Loki using that slur, but like for me it felt like. Oh, he's using it because he's a villain. Like this is why. Right. Oh yeah, I'm okay with him. Of course, doing yeah. it. Well, yeah, villains no. can say terrible. Because I remember people being like, "Oh, like that shows how just." But I was like, "No, but like." He but he's is but a he's character. a bad person. and He's yes. using it because he's, he's sexist a, and he's a bad, bad person. person. Yes, right. I'm not saying. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. They're supposed to say bad things. Yeah. They're um, okay, um. So anyway, she has this battle with the master, and it's like literally again like five mostly seconds. Just, it's mostly just like her standing there saying shitty things to him, and then throwing him through. Well, I also love when they have their first fight when he kills her that he says, oh, the feeble banter portion of the fight. Yeah. That's one of my favorite lines, too. Yeah. Because it calls out, like, what is going to be tr- the yeah, show. calling out tropes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he says, by the way, I love your dress, before he throws her in the water, which is, for yeah. me, that's so good. Because yeah. it's just so shitty. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you have a nice dress. You're dead. Like, yeah. I killed you. Dumb so girl. let's talk yeah. about physics and how <laughs> physics works. Because, <laughs> okay... The master has his hand around Buffy's neck, and Uh then she grabs him and, like, throws him over, but does not go with him. And I'm always kind of like, how did that work? Like, he has to have loosened his grip on... She's a slayer. (laughs) That's all I Like, I'm not saying she had to have died, but she could have landed next to him. Sure. And been like, hey, guys. Like, she planted her feet. Right. Which is a thing you have to do. I learned, me and my friends all did, like, high kicks for a Snapchat once. I I know, so (laughs) stupid. And I was wearing, as I do, very tight shorts. Uh And when we did three practices... And I did them fine. I like because my two straight friends just like that's their drunk thing. They do high kicks. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Um, and so I did it. And on the fourth try, my boyfriend is filming for a Snapchat, and I fell so hard on my ass. Oh no! Because when I kicked my other leg up, I kicked one leg up. The other one just went with it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, so she knew how to plant her feet. I do not. Yeah. So anyway. I think you. Someone had said this before in one episode. So this 
when the master dies, I think it's the um, the the highest quality effect that yes. the series that the season, series they, has up until this. They stashed moment. away some pennies into a jar, and then right. they broke that jar for this episode. <laughs> and we get to see him turn into the skeleton. Yes, with the little bits flying off of so him. So, do you think that was intentional? In that, like, he's a special vampire; he gets to have a skeleton. Or do you think that was the show being in its first season and didn't quite know that everything I always think that has to be the same? I always think that. Yeah. I think it's the. F- I think it's the former. Okay. I think that... I, and then they wanted theory. to stash something away for next season. To have right. So here's my theory. Here's a few things. I think that it was that he had gotten old, but then also there's a physics to it. Like you're saying like, okay, we know that vampires have skeletons because when Buffy dusts them, you see the skeletons, but they also go away yeah. and turn to dust. Or is it just that he's so old that his bones have become solid in a right. way? Right. The way that like... Kakistos was so old that his hands became cloven It's or just odd to me that it never happened with any other vampire who, like, she's dealt with other, like, yeah. super... I mean, she's dealt with Dracula. Right, right. Like, I don't think they ever really said, like, oh, the Master was the oldest vampire you ever dealt with. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, they do say that. So In, in this season. In this... Oh, yeah. In this yeah. episode, Giles says he's the oldest vampire on record. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Okay. Well, then that, I will... Yeah, All I will right. accept that. And they do, in season three, when they do meet Kakistos, they do say, like, the Master... Yeah. They, like, yeah. reference the master. But I still feel like the bones... But, I mean, I could see them being, like, let's keep this open, because then I think season's two, season two story arc, and it was going to be the anointed one, but then he started growing up and Joss didn't know what to do with him. Is that what happened? Yeah, like, God, Joss that's Whedon fortuitous, because get rid of that little <laughs> shit. Joss Whedon says that, like, they didn't know what to do with the anointed one, yeah. because they didn't know they were going to have a second season, but that's what he wanted the plot to be, but he had grown up between seasons so much. God, and his voice had even started changing, that, like, uh-huh. he couldn't be a vampire if he's growing up. Right. right. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, figure your shit out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So that's why they have, like, Spike come in and kill him very quickly. That was, that's, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Imagine big bad rankings that included the anointed the one anointed instead of, instead one. of Angel. Or it would have been, actually, you know, it would have been... Just the anointed one replacing yeah. Angel for the first half and then eventually still probably getting yeah. to the Angel. That's to the also Angel sort plot. of like how the villains at the end of season two of Angel were supposed to be Darla and Drusilla and someone's schedule wouldn't work. I can't remember whether it was Juliet or uh, Julie's. And that's why they had to go to uh, Lauren's homeworld. What, what was it called? Oh, Hylia. Uh, um, oh, and that's yeah. how we got Lauren and... Fred. Oh, okay. So, like, that's, like, you know, fortuitous. Yeah. That's funny, because I always there. wondered that, because it was really weird. It was very abrupt. It was so abrupt, yes. and I actually, I love that arc. I think one of them had to, like, couldn't film throughout the rest of the season. I want to say it was Juliet Landau, um, but I can't swear to it. But, mm. yeah. So, um, maybe we should just all, I, I think we're in agreement, but <laughs> we should give the, the, the uh, we should give Prophecy Girl a grade. Oh, God, A++. A plus plus. I would say yeah. A. <laughs> I, if we're, if, There's nothing more than hundred percent. We all have different spectrums yes. of what we can grade, but yeah, I would give it the highest grade. I would give it an A. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's one of my top ten Buffy episodes of all time. Yeah, and I also think it's just one of its great finales. Like as a finale, I actually think that it works on a, in a lot of ways even better than like the gift. And this the gift is a has show. Messy hearts, but I it think, does. And this is a show that does finales very very well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Also, so we should do our fuck Mary kill from this no, but episode. everyone in this episode you've seen already. Like, there's no one new. Mm, true. Oh, do you do fuck Mary kill? With yeah, the or no, we just do who would you fuck from the episode. But yeah, there's, there's no, no one is really new in true. the episode. Um, That's a good point. 
I mean, we've already done a whole... The tentacles in the stack. <laughs> we've we've um, already done a whole tangent about Xander bottoming for the entire... That's, that's true. Thing. So I think we're good. Yeah. Um, and I also, Buffy says that she's really hungry at the end of this episode, yeah. which like is then referenced like later when Fate's like, oh, I get really hungry and horny when I that's slay. That's true. <laughs> also, Master is not the only character who dies in this episode. Buffy's season one hair. This is the last oh, episode. It is. That. It is. Her makeover at the very beginning of season two always makes me laugh, especially <laughs> when watching it on a Netflix or a Hulu where you go right into it because it's so drastically like somebody became a media star in between <laughs> right. starting. And she, has, she gets to the little like. She gets bar. the very standard like short Rachel and she gets like the skirts like go way up and like the tops get like really like very like. Uh, Scream 2 level of yeah. like cuteness mm-hmm. and it's like oh yeah like somebody became a, a magazine cover girl in yeah. between season 1 Even season it's funny two. because as you all will see for our cover art for season 2 which I already have done nice. the Buffy figure is like definitely like a lot sexier because oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like her short hair tank yeah. top and black leather pants and well, like, I mean, in the between fir- season 1 and season 2 you should do an episode on the SNL that she hosted uh, oh, I forgot. During season two. Is, is that, that the one with I Drive a Dodge Stratus? I think it's I Drive a Dodge Stratus. It's definitely the Spice Girls one. Okay. At least the pretty, the well, isn't it the Christina Aguilera one? one? I don't think so. Because she Christina like... Aguilera didn't get famous for another oh, you're year right. or two. Yeah. Christina Aguilera's debut album came out in 99. Right. Bernie's was 98. You're right. Yeah. So I think that was her second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one was definitely, I think it was I Drive a Dodge Stratus, and I think it was Spice Girls. Um and, yeah, I think you should do that. <laughs> She's hosted that show, what, three or four times, right? Oh, really? I three. think three. Three times, yeah. More when Buffy was happening. I really thought it was just once. I didn't realize it, it was, was a, It was. A, I've seen two of them, but it was three. I think it's four. three. Yeah, yeah. Well, well af- I... Great. Well, I will take this moment to say that uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is, is not in my ba- best... Um, What's, what am I looking She's for? She's not in your good graces. I'm a good graces because I went to a signing and it was like miserable. Oh no. Yeah, I waited in line for like three hours to get food stirs signed and she put her initials and cut pictures at the last minute we were all going in. Um, Ooh. You know. <laughs> I actually lost a bunch of followers for tweeting about it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now your real fans are still with you. So. Um, I think it's time to say goodbye yeah. on this episode. Yeah. What a great episode, you Yeah, guys. we all yeah. give it an A, or higher. <laughs> I give this episode of Slayer Fest 98 an A, also. I do, too. <laughs> I, we, went, we went some places here. Yeah. We really did, honestly. We did. We Look out there. for Sean Cody, Xander Angel. <laughs> Into it. <laughs> all right, so... Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Rodriguez. That's Matthew with one T, R-O-D-R-A-G-U-E-Z. And I am Ian X. Carlos. I'm Joe Reed, R-E-I-D. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Bye. We'll we'll see see you guys next week. Bye.